These are the Keishi Tapes. You, Man, and Favaz explore the backstories and interviews heard on Keishi, the longest-running rock station in the country. It's Keishi Tapes time, and this is episode 79, myself with Favaz, and today we're going to do an interview that Favaz did with Trevor Rabin, who, of course, has spent a lot of years with Yes and has had a pretty good solo career in his own right and is a very talented guy. But before we get to all that, Favaz has a word from our sponsor. Yes, our sponsor is Black Raven AFC. Remember, websites are not like the movie Field of Dreams. Just because you make one doesn't mean they're going to come. So if you want your business website to get found online, it takes strategy and it takes to find folks at Black Raven AFC. Okay, Um, start implementing a better SEO plan today with a St. Louis based team who focuses on connecting you with your users online. Let Black Raven AFC help you today. Just go to BlackRavenDigital.com and reach up today. Okay, now, when was this interview? What's the setting of this whole thing? So the setting was the Fox Theater and uh, it was during the ARW show, Anderson, Rabin and Wakeman show. I guess that was... um, I remember it was in November, and I want to say uh, 17 or 16. I think it was 17. And so it was recorded uh, from the air. Uh, somebody in the studio did it. So it sounds kind of funky. It doesn't uh, sound crystal clear. But nonetheless, to sit next to Trevor Rabin and talk to him was really, really cool. Yeah, and, um, it's amazing. It, uh, I was, uh, you know, shocked that that, you know, I was going to get somebody to interview, and if it couldn't have been John Anderson, I would take Trevor Rabin for sure. So uh, he came down, and uh, we were in the guts of the place, and that's where we did it. Great guitarist, too. Yep. Well, let's see how this went, and of course, Falaz and I will comment as the interview goes along, as again, this is the KC Tapes. It's KC 95, Real Rock Radio. There's Van Halen. It's Favaz. We're live at the Fox Theater for the ARW show. Anderson, Wakeman, I'm going out of order here. But the R in the middle is sitting here next to me, Trevor Rabin. Hi, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I must say, I mean, I've interviewed a ton of people. I never thought I'd be interviewed. Yeah, he's South African. He is South African. You know, he's got that accent, and uh, I'd love that accent. Yeah. I, you know. It's like, like a classier British accent. Interviewing yeah. <laughs> Trevor Rabin. To be honest, I didn't think I'd be back on the road. You know, I was, I was kind of in 17 years doing... As, as it turns out, 50 films, and uh, I thought I'd be continuing them, but Rick and John kept nagging, come on, come on, come on, and eventually, actually, Chris uh, Chris Squire, when he passed away, that was kind of the catalyst where we thought, yeah, come on, let's, let's get together, and uh, I'm glad we did. All right, so uh, we'll get to ARW and Yes here in a second, but like you said, you've been scoring movies for how many years now? Uh, I think 17 or 18 years. Wow. Is that fun or is that, uh, do you see the movie first and then write the music? How does it work? Um, it's, it's actually a lot more complicated than that. And I don't, I don't want to bore anybody, but technically it's, I read the script. If someone's interested in me doing it, I'll read the script. If I like it, I'll meet the director. And then I start getting uh, usually a very... How boring would that be to read the script of a movie and then decide if you like it? And then write the music. I mean, to me, it would you would have to see it before you would read it. I, I can't know. even imagine trying to do it. That's how hard it sounds to me. You know? Yeah, it's like maybe like trying to write a book or something. I that's another thing. I can't imagine the what it takes to 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 do all that. Right, it's, it's just mind boggling. But yeah, yeah, some people and he just, does it. Yeah, some people just it's it's like part of their. 
existence. That's a, it's what yeah. they were put on earth to do. Very rough cut where they've put dailies together and you, it's a, a, a bit very vague rendition of the film and then i'll just start writing themes and stuff once i've written themes that i feel comfortable with i'll play them to the director and then we'll have what's called a spotting session where you go through the movie and we decide where music goes and there's usually between 50 and 80 i'm so lost right now no <laughs> idea what he's even talking a about spotting session have no clue yeah. pieces of music ranging from 22 seconds or 18 seconds to seven minutes like uh, there's one uh, thing I did in Bad Boys 2 is a long chase which was I think seven minutes wow that it's just uh, uh, what, what other well, like some of the movies that you've that, that we would know um, how long you got <laughs> um, well um, remember the Titans uh, National Treasure 1 and 2 Bad Boys 2 um, um, Con Air Gone in 60 Seconds uh, there's just a load of them Loads, loads. Pays well, doesn't it? You know, that's the one great thing. Um, but I don't mind the pay. <laughs> the one great thing. Pays well, baby. Show me the money. <laughs> but um, the, the main thing is the... Um, I love conducting and, and writing for orchestra, and that's one of the, the, my favorite things about doing film. We're talking to Trevor Rabin of ARW, who are playing the KC 49th birthday show tonight at the Fox Theater. So here we are with John Anderson and Rick Wakeman. And... Um, you know, your your time in Yes was when Yes really broke into the mainstream, and I think it was all because of you. Yeah, it's, it's funny. A lot of people blamed me for it and hated me for it because it's like he's brought pop music to the to Yes, and uh, I I didn't mind that. It's like, but I didn't think I'd ever be ostracized for writing a number one hit. But you know, yeah, owner of a lonely heart, didn't he yeah. write? It? And supposedly he did. I think that's the one he wrote on the toilet. Really. I don't think I asked him that here, yeah, oh, but okay. uh, but but I mean that whole record nine hundred one two five is yeah. is just great, and everything that came after that, you know, had his stamp on it. Yeah, for sure. You live with it. <laughs> who, who did that? The f- oh, and love will find a way. He wrote that too, and another great that song. was that he he originally offered that to Stevie Nicks. Ah, yeah, and and she was well, he he wanted to offer it to Stevie Nicks, and then uh, one of the members in Yes said, "Wait a minute, that's too good of a song. Don't give it to her." And <laughs> they recorded it. Thank goodness they hung on to good, it for yep. themselves. You yep, know? fans. Uh, in the beginning, people were just... Uh, and it's funny because I didn't want to call the band Yes. Uh, we were called Cinema, and I really fought against oh, calling yeah. it Yes because mm-hmm. I thought, well, it's it's not. But once jo- John joined and put his voice on, it's like, well, it's a pretty legitimate thing to do, and so I was fine with it. Yeah, that voice. I mean, if he sings anything, you think, yes. Yeah, with it, without John in... in, in, in and yes, it's like Mick Jagger not being in the Stones. It, to me, anyway. Yeah. So uh, the ver- well, we took a stand on that. You know, the other version of Yes out yes. there is using other, you know, other singers. Oh, I'm, yeah. So for sure. like, wait, wait a minute. Yeah, a John Anderson sound alike. Yeah. Version you know. of Yes that's going around right now with Steve Howe. I, I read an interview with John in Rolling Stone, and uh, everybody's okay with Steve Howe, correct? Um, I guess. I, I mean, I haven't spoken to him for about 16, 20 years or something, so I, I, I have no clue. Yeah, I don't think I, so. I guess they're okay. They haven't <laughs> spoken in 20 years. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> they're not. To this day, they're not. It's pretty yeah. amazing. But he owns the name. No, he doesn't. Oh, he doesn't? No. He's, uh, no, he, in fact, he doesn't own the name at all. I think the name's owned by John and two other, I don't know. I, but I, but I, I relinquished mine. Right, uh, my rights to the name. Chris called me ab- about three f- movies in, and I was exhausted. And he said, "Listen, I really need 
your your vote on the name i said oh, just take it please i'm i'm busy i want to sleep wow. well how can he tour that's crazy i think i asked here how i thought for sure steve howe had the name because he tours under that name just yes, yes. yeah just the but name, i think yes. i think the question's coming up here and use that name um paul can you just get my lawyer <laughs> i really i'm um you know, I mean, they've been doing it, and there's been no complaints so uh, from us. So I guess it's just something they do. We didn't, we didn't desire to call it yes at this point, and uh, RW is working fine, so we don't really care. All right. Wow. So they don't give a shit, basically. That's hard to believe. Because that does not happen with bands. No. Because you hear of lawsuits all the time, cease and desist, don't do this, don't do that. And they're like, eh, he's using yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, I know they fight constantly over the band's names. Every band in, in existence yeah. has, has always done that. Yeah. And and if John Anderson is the owner, as he says, that makes it even more crazy because he's letting somebody else take credit and tour under the band name that he owns. Yeah. I, and he's using the different name. Something well, doesn't make sense. Yeah, there. it doesn't. doesn't. Um, so the first record, 90125. What, uh, the greatest yes record probably was certainly commercially but man i mean every song on there is just so solid what do you remember the most about that era of recording for yes well now that you've got the 20 i gave you uh, <laughs> <laughs> um it was a unique kind of um experience because uh, there was there was a lot of uh, a lot of things went down with the album from um uh, uh, Alan was living in Seattle um, a lot of the time because he was getting remarried. So um, I spent quite a lot of time on my own in the studio. But uh, m m most of the magic came from when Chris, me, and John were working together. It was it was a pretty magic moment. But the funny thing is, before I joined the band, I had written what was to be a solo album, and. Um, I was ready to do that, and I was on Geffen Records, and they dropped me before I did the album. We didn't see eye to eye, and uh, landed up doing getting together with Chris and Alan, and we did we did the album, and uh, what they added to it was fantastic, and and um, plus a couple other songs which Chris had to, a lot to do with writing, and John added some fantastic lyrics and melodies. So he's talking about, he's talking about Chris Squire, right? One of the great bass players of all time. Yeah, I, I interviewed him. I hope I have that. Yeah, because I'll never forget. Oh, and I've be. said he's the one that said to me, and I don't know why we were talking about David Gilmore, but he says he plays with monster feel. Mm -hmm. So he just he he's got that guitar in his hand, he, and he can just play. Yeah, it doesn't matter what it is. Yeah, yeah. It uh, turned out really well. We're very pleased with it. And of all things, MTV took to it. Yeah, and it's funny because the one thing I, I have to say, and I don't want to speak for other guys, but I hated and continue to hate doing videos. Ironically, I'm, you know, spent... You seem like a kind of guy that would hate it because you're a creator. You don't want to be out in front doing all that. Yeah, it's just, to, to me, uh, videos, you start actually putting picture to the music rather than closing your eyes and seeing pictures. Uh, I don't want to sound too like, much like a hippie because I'm not, but... but uh, and, it, and it's just hard to do and have it make sense a lot of times. How many times have you watched videos for songs and they're just ridiculous and they often right. don't even make a connection to the music, which tells you that those directors, producers, writers for those videos, they themselves didn't know what the hell to do. So right. just make some crap up, you know, something. Some did. I mean, you know, some had a storyline with the song. Very few know. of them, though, to me. And even if they did go along to the song, a lot of times it was just hokey. Yeah, you know, there there were a lot like that. I, that's why I always liked performance videos. 
You know, yeah. band's playing. Right. Yeah. Just give me can't, that. Can't go wrong with that. Yeah, I just, I didn't see the, for me, it just was something that I didn't really enjoy doing. You know, another thing about him, that mm-hmm. he he wanted to be in Asia, and supposedly ah, he, he, he got rejected. Oh, yeah. wow. So he was already kind of in that circle with those guys, you know. Uh, I could see him being in Asia. Oh, I could have sure. too. Totally. I could have too. It didn't yeah. make sense that he, that he didn't get accepted. Yeah. And you did four records with Yes? Uh, yeah, four records with Yes. Uh, I must say, I did a I did a video for my solo album, Can't Look Away, a song called Something to Hold On To, which is a really, at the, for the time, a great video. I had really very little to do with creating it. I was just told where to stand, when to, okay, sing here, wear this, do this. I can't remember the, the director's name, but he's a very talented guy. So uh, tell us then how ARW came about. Where they were, you kind of told me off air, they were nagging you, I guess? Yeah, yeah. John and Rick, uh, I was in the middle of doing movies, and uh, John and I started talking. In fact, he, he used to come to some of my orchestra sessions, and uh, we, we just in, started enjoying each other's company and talking and getting really involved. And uh, And Rick and I had, had a bucket list thing where we were going to absolutely play together at some point again because we had such a ball when we did the union tour together. And then, as I say, the catalyst was when Chris passed away. We decided, yeah, we've got to do this now. Um, and I hear that you guys have actually written new music. We have quite a lot of new music. But the reason we're not playing it on this tour is... It's because nobody wants to hear nobody it. Nobody gives a shit. <laughs> Sorry. Not finished. It's close to... Not all of it. But, I mean, some of it's uh, yeah, close to being finished, but it's not quite finished. So we didn't want to play it on the tour being semi-finished and then seeing it on YouTube the next day. <laughs> so <laughs> is it like um, 1970s Yes, or is it more kind of like the Yes when you were in the band? I would say it's, it's different to all of that. It really is very, very different to anything we've done before. So I'm quite excited about it. All right, so um, we're going to go out here. We're going to play a Trevor song, and I mentioned this song to you, the song Now. It's a Casey classic. I guaranteed if you played this song tonight, and I know you're not going to, but if you played it, people would know that song. What year did that come out, and what do you remember about that song? Wow. Um, it came out in 1978. Oh, no, 1979 was the second album. And I just remember, I actually remember that song. There's a lot of backing vocals that hit the chorus now. And we had a bass player in the band who was very conscientious and said, you know, you need backing vocals and that I'll sing. And uh, it goes, now, it's a real hard thing. And I remember he had the first rehearsal and he, bless his heart, he insisted on doing it. And every time the chorus came in, he's played like a demon, but you'd hear, no. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember that about the song but uh, yeah I haven't heard the song for years wow. well we're going to play now Trevor thank you for uh, stopping by and talking to us and we're really looking forward to ARW tonight and uh, looking forward to hearing newer stuff maybe next year yes next year it'll definitely be there'll be maybe not the full album but there'll certainly be stuff because we're not going to hold off until t- the album's done we're going to if it's bits and pieces we'll do it like a jigsaw puzzle and eventually it'll make make a full picture well, that, that never happened I don't think so. No. Yeah, I was just trying to think of that. It seems like that's the way to go these days. Yeah, no, there's no reason to hold off. And uh, if we've got a piece of something we want to, sh- you know, put out there, we just will. All right, here it is. Trevor Rabin, thank you once again. The song Now, a great KC classic. Classic. It's KC 95. There you go. Nice. I got you in there. Yeah. You know that... that- now song is a great song if you you know search it out if you if you've never heard it we've we've played it on the on the, our morning show and you yeah. played it on the classic show it is a great great song from Trevor. another classic from his him is a song called finding me a way back home ah 
That's another one. I think I know that one, too. Yeah. So there you go, Trevor Rabin. That's one of those guys that you've heard about for all these years. You've seen him involved in so much music over all these years, but you rarely hear the man speak about anything. Yeah. And that was a great get, a great uh, interview for Fosley. And he wrote Owner of a Lonely Heart. That's right. That's all you got to say. All right. Thanks for listening. This is episode 79 of the Casey Tapes. You can follow me on Twitter at STLUman and on Instagram. I'm Johnny Hewlett. And I'm Favaz. And, of course, the Casey Tapes is brought to you by Black Raven AFC. AMF, you man. Bye. The Casey Tapes with you man and Favaz. For more on the history of Casey, go to Casey95.com or the Casey mobile app.